Are you ready? Ready to release internal pain? To find confidence, clarity and direction for your future? To live a life of meaning, fulfillment and contribution? To trust your intuition again, but something's been holding you back? You've come to the right place. Welcome. I'm Ian Hawkins, the host and founder of the Grief Code podcast. Together, let's heal your unresolved or unknown grief by unlocking your grief code. As you tune in to each episode, you will receive insight into your own grief, how to eliminate it and what to do next. Before we start, I have one request. If any new insights or awareness land with you during this episode, please send me an email at info at ianhawkinscoaching.com and let me know what you found. I know the power of this work and I love to hear the impact these conversations have. Okay, let's get into it. Such a powerful chat with Rachel Thompson Phillips that you're about to listen to. She she had a great message around simplifying spirituality. So you would have heard me talk here about different spiritual aspects, some some deeper than others. And what she brought to the table was a way of allowing yourself to simplify that, to make it work for you so you can importantly use whatever spiritual side you have to navigate the day-to-day. So structure, process, how do you make sense of it in a, in, a, in your day-to-day life, you know, in a world that perhaps doesn't always embrace it? So if that's something that you know you need help with, you'll, you'll really enjoy this chat. As she said at the end, it might be one you need to listen to a couple of times because there's a bit to unpack. Anyway, enjoy this chat with Rachel Thompson-Phillips, international psychic and remedial massage. Rachel Thompson Phillips, how are you? Very well, thank you, Ian. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Oh, I love chatting with people I've uh, shared the business journey with. I guess we uh, we did some training together way back when, and and uh, have continued to follow your progress. And I was saying before we jumped on, it's been interesting. I hadn't seen a heap of your stuff, but then we had this booked in, and suddenly, of course, I'm seeing you everywhere. I know it's. I love the the. Whenever you go and do some form of study, there are always special people that just manage to just stay in your world and you just always seem to find ways to connect with each other and it doesn't matter. It's sort of like old friends when you haven't seen each other for ages, when you do come back to each other, it's just like just like yesterday. So, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess for context, for people who perhaps don't haven't done a heap of it, it's certainly not everyone. It's usually a small percentage of people, and and it's and it's because there has been some connection. So yeah, that's cool. One hundred percent. Usually, you only find it's like maybe three or four people that you actually ever stay in contact long term yeah. with. Yeah, absolutely. So we want to tell your story today, and where do we start? Okay, we're going to start here. You said there's been a few sort of big moments that uh, you said 26 years ago your dad died. Can you share a little bit about how that unfolded and and the impact that had on your life? That had so many different dimensions within just that one experience. Like um, my parents were separated when I was very young and we moved here from New Zealand to Australia and back 
26 years ago, there was no internet. The only It was still old school. You sent a letter or you rang on the phone and you didn't do that very often because it cost a fortune. So we didn't have a lot of contact with our dad because it, you just didn't travel like we do today. Um, that availability wasn't there. But when I had my daughter, um, my dad started flying over for work and I would to Sydney and I would fly down and see him and it, it started building that bond because when we left New Zealand I was a young girl and with now you know a young mum in my early 20s uh, so much had changed and so we were building this bond and it was really wonderful but um, my dad had when he was young had developed rheumatic fever so there was always heart conditions for him as far as he had uh, valves in his heart that didn't work properly. So they didn't usually cause too much of a problem, um, mm. but he knew as he got older that he would eventually either need to have the valves replaced or have a new heart. And we had just all discussed that my mum and my dad were actually going to be here in Australia for Christmas um, for the first time since we were like uh, probably about, you know, 11 or 12 so it was such a special moment and then my dad went in and had his surgery and he'd come back from the surgeon and the surgeon had said everything was perfectly fine he'd had all the tests and he was excited about coming over but about a month before he passed away he rang me one evening and my elder sister lived with me and uh, he seemed really unusual he was very articulate on what he said and every word had such a deep meaning behind it. And I ended up saying to him, like, is everything okay? And he's like, yeah, just if anything ever happens, just tell me that you girls will be together. That set off an alarm bell for me. Mm -hmm. And um, about a month prior to, because um, I'd had my son in August and my dad passed away in October, um, and around about September I started having these horrific nightmare dreams um, about death. And they were that graphic that they would wake me up in the middle of the night mm. and then I'd go off and do things and then I'd go back to sleep and it was almost like the video just kept playing over and this went on for about a month. And then about... Can I ask you like, oh, breakup. Can you hear me now? I can now. Okay, no, there's a big, you had a big break up there, so uh, might be significant, yeah. significant that I asked this. Those yeah. dreams, were they, were they the process of dying or what it would be like after dying? Like what, what, would, what were the, were they sort of same messages every night? It was the same video every night and it was, um, I don't know, it's going to seem really unusual, but uh, it was about our dog that was um, we lived next door to a crane yard and our dog tried to get out every night and it was like these people would kidnap our dog and bury him and leave his head exposed um, and do that in front of us and there was nothing that we could do. So it was almost like watching a death unfold but not being able to do anything and now, you know, obviously with time to think about it, it was like I knew my dad was going to pass but there was nothing that I could do about it. Mm, and so it was just, just it was just the same repeated dream over and over and over again, and and that has always sort of been a bit of a theme for uh, intuitive information. Big intuitive information comes through quite often like that for myself. But I remember sitting there for about an hour before I got the phone call, and I was just talking with my husband, and out of nowhere, I just said to him, "My dad's died." 
and it was like the words came out of my mouth and we just stared at each other and my husband said like why did you say that for and I went actually I don't know but I know exactly that that is exactly when it happened and mm. yeah uh, an wow. hour later we got the phone call and and um even though he'd been from the heart surgeons, the medication that he needed to live on caused like a little pimple on his heart and it was always just going to be a matter of when and it never came up on the test. And when that pimple burst, he, he obviously he died. Um, and that was in October. So we had all of these dreams of having both of our parents together and having a Christmas together and all of that was just gone. So it wasn't just the fact of losing my dad and having all of that intuitive information. It was just that loss of our family getting a chance to unite together that was incredibly saddened. Um, and because we hadn't spent much time, there was just all these unanswered questions we always thought we had more time to be able to ask certain questions hmm. so there was just so much loss um on so many things and I think I was I grieved a lot for like obviously my dad being gone but also that dream of our family actually coming together and growing and getting a chance to get to know each other and that I think was something that I found probably one of the hardest because by then I'd had my daughter um, and my son my sister had had a ch was due to have a child so there was all these grandbabies the next generation that our children our children didn't get to meet our dad he was fun he was vibrant he he had this really huge presence about him and you just always felt safe um and he was a very staunch man um so it was just like yeah it was it, it was just so much loss because you know when, when my parents separated there was a loss then and but this was a permanent loss there was never ever any coming back from that so mm. it was um it was really difficult. I think at first I'm, I'm one of those kind of people. I think each person deals in that uh, exact moment. I think there are different types of people and I'm one of those people that I'm like the organiser. What needs to be done? How can I help? Let's get everything and look after everyone. And then once all that's taken care of, then I do my own grieving process. But I actually actually didn't know how to grieve that loss of my dad um, and it became very internalised and I ended up, that was the very first time I ever had a panic attack and didn't know and it was such a severe one that I'd actually upset, upset my heart rhythm and had to live on heart tablets for about six months to re-regulate itself and I thought, here it is, my dad died and passed because this little hole in his heart and here I am nearly doing the same sort of thing and it was like it was uh, so then I not only had the passing of my dad to deal with but I had to learn I, I didn't know anything about panic attacks there wasn't really an open conversation about it so I yeah. then had that on top of it to try and navigate around while I still had I had two children under the age of three so mm. it was just such a heavy intense time and even now 26 years later it just still only feels like yesterday he was gone. So, mm. um, so when you say you like you didn't know how to grieve, how did that actually show up for you? Through the or panic attacks, I just lots of internal conversation, keeping my thoughts and 
when I say I didn't know how to grieve, I didn't know how to communicate with people. So you just seem to be in this uh, prism of everyone else's life is moving on, but yours just seems to have stayed still. And it's only so much time I feel like you feel that people are comfortable with that, with having that conversation around grief before they don't want to hear it anymore. Um, right. And so therefore you, you, you don't know who to turn to. You also don't know how to be able to process it because you can't stop those thoughts. Um, and it wasn't until I had the panic attacks that I actually then um, found a really nice counsellor and that was when I suppose my healing journey went along because there was I didn't need to filter what I said. This was someone that didn't know me. I could say the same things over and over and over again from different perspectives and I wasn't judged um, and there was no pressure from her to like, come on, get your shit together. You're a mom. Like, let's move on, bury it. Um, so it actually gave me the space to actually be able to learn to be able to put words to emotions and feelings that I was having. And because I think sometimes um, you can get really quite hard on yourself. It doesn't matter how evolved you are. You, when you go through that, you're. I always consider myself to be a super strong person and that I saw as such a weakness um, mm. and because I had those two crises going on within myself, it's like, man, I really need to, I need to address what is going on because I am making my whole world crumble um, and I yep. need to be able to find a way to be able to move through this in a, in a healthy way or else I could potentially not be here my own self. Mm -hmm. and that and that really scared me yeah i bet uh so the the inability or the or lacking a space to be able to process what was going on meant it all just sort of built up and the and the voice going on in your head and and all of all of that stuff and i imagine for someone like yourself also taking on a whole lot of other people's stuff around that as well yeah so did it all just kind of like concertina on top of you and and uh like and then the panic attack. Like, how did that actually? Like, what was that like? Like, how would you describe it? Oh, that was possibly like one of the freakiest um, moments I had. Gone to a meditation. I thought I'd, you know, start tapping into the going to meditation, trying to connect with my dad. Um, and when I was at a meditation. Um, I just heard this voice say to me, I'll take you to see your dad. And because I'd got into such a very low depressive state, I actually misunderstood the information and I thought that meant that I was going to die because I was in, I was sort of spiralling towards that direction and that really freaked me out. And I came out of the meditation and I was just like, oh, mm. my God, you know, be careful what you wish for. You were saying, you know, you felt like you were dying and now you're being told you're going to be taken to the other side to meet him. Like, oh, my God. And like I was 24 and spiritualism wasn't as evolved and as such a big conversation and I kept that all to myself. And when I got home and I sat down and I think because I was by myself, I became so frightened um, mm. by the fact that I thought I was going to die that then I had a panic attack and I literally could not one minute I could feel my body and the next minute from my neck down I literally I felt like I was paralyzed I couldn't feel anything Whoa. and I just um, 
my heart was racing out of my chest, but I couldn't actually move. And all I could do was scream out to my husband. Um, and um, then I was just taken away by an ambulance. But even at the hospital, it was like, well, you've just had a panic attack, go home, uh, try not to stress. And you're like, I, I'm one of those kind of people. So I like to know why does that happen? How can I stop it? You know, yeah. all of those, but I just went home with no information. And then that scared me because I was like, that uh, the feeling of getting um, sensation back in my body came after a couple of hours, but the racing in my heart and all of those symptoms um, that come with anxiety didn't go away, but I didn't have any answers around that. And I was really grateful because my mother-in-law had actually um, come across a book before I'd even had a panic attack and it was called Living With It. And it was about a author... Uh, a cartoonist that had got uh, anxiety and she wrote a book about anxiety but in a cartoon form. And still to this day, if I ever find out or know that someone's had anxiety, I always recommend it. It's the most beautiful, simple, fun book but so in-depth it was like reading this book it was like someone was reading exactly what was going on inside of my head and inside of my body. And that helped me on my journey to um, have a much deeper understanding around how much my own thoughts were creating so much dis-ease within Mm. my own body. Wow. And uh, it probably took me about maybe, I would say, a good nearly 12, 15 months Um where there is those symptoms were completely gone, but I had to do lots and lot. I did lots and lots of self work around being able to clear that um, mm. and not have to live with it like a lot of people do today. Yeah, actually, as you were sharing that story, like you said, it wasn't a common thing that even got talked about. No, and, uh, and I'm staggered, but also not surprised that you were giving you were given no tangible steps to take to do anything about it but i i imagine given the work that you do and and we're going to get into this at the end but i'll I'll share it now so you're you're an international psychic and and i love the card readings that you do with your own uh personalized set of cards i imagine that i imagine that you attract other people into your world who have had a similar experience perhaps have had different abilities say thrust upon them but it feels like it's been thrust upon them and they and they don't know how to navigate the something that's probably foreign but also not because it's been it's always been there but it's been probably suppressed by circumstances and situations and family environments and so on is that that the sort of thing that you like is, is that sort of people that you tend to help you think Oh, for sure. It was um, definitely the reason why I obviously, as you mentioned, like created my own deck of cards, wanted to help people because um, walking through the journey of spiritualism and, you know, you can call it awakening, whatever it is, but once you start tapping into and having those spiritual, I don't call them gifts because I've they're not a gift. There's something that is completely innate and natural within us. But when we actually start learning to tap into those skill sets, um, they don't just knock on the door and just come in lovely. They just like, and they they come in full swing. And 
you think people were open to having that conversation, but if you say to them, oh, look, all of a sudden I'm seeing this and feeling that and this is coming true, people, as much as they're open to it, people will still look at you like, uh, are you for real? Like, Yeah, so, for you know, the journey over the 20 years of how much um, spirituality has advanced, there's still so much uh, space where there's so many people that, don't have a place that they can go and communicate about that. Just as similar to how I experienced my dad's death, no one that they can openly communicate, someone where they don't have to have unfiltered. Um, I mean, my husband, he's not into the spiritual world at all, and I love that. But the conversation that I might have with him is so very different. It's like at this level up here, but when I'm talking with spiritual people about spiritual stuff, the conversation goes it goes deep, you know what I mean? So yeah. you you need to be able to find people that you can have that open conversation, remove those filters, feel comfortable enough because there's a lot of things that go on within our physical and mental aptitude within ourself connected to spirituality that gets really wobbly there for a while and it takes a little while to navigate around how to use this new skill set how to integrate it so to normalize it in a way because spirituality many years ago was you had to be an exceptional person to use your intuition and Mm -hmm. I think that was the greatest quest that I wanted to teach people was that you aren't exceptional and then that's not to take away the fact that they're not amazing unique beings but it was like every person to normalize it it takes it away from being uncomfortable being able to have normal conversations to be able to open about it and realize that we're all having these conversations we just use different languages around it and it's happening to every single person so true and it's not a gift because I tell you when you get some stuff comes through it don't feel like a gift at all it's like (laughs) now I know this I can't unknow that and it's not a gift you know what I mean um but I think it's is something that I really wanted to help people with was to learn to be more and more comfortable with that part within themselves because I didn't have that myself and I and I didn't have that when my father passed and I thought if I just had someone to be able to talk to about you know these pivotal moments of you know learning about yourself so much you don't need to bounce off the wall you don't need to make as many mistakes you can have someone that says hey this is actually normal for you to go oh god I'm not going crazy you know it's such a relief when people find out that whatever they're going through is okay and it's normal it's like a sigh of relief people I feel still to this day still connect like I always say there's a very fine line between psychic and psycho, you know. know, Some people will still question your sanity when you have different types of conversations. So it's always important to be able to know that you have a safe place and a safe mentor or a guide or a support system that is there to be able to help you be able to uh, get more and more comfortable with the skills and... um, integrate them into who they are as a person but integrate them into their everyday life Mm. and and i've always really enjoyed that journey of being able to share that with people because that's all people ever want to do is just feel comfortable in their own skin yeah so good and so true to me that is the gift is that every like you said everyone's got it it's it's being able to appreciate it 
to be able to navigate it and then, like you said, to have the skills and structure to know what on earth to do about it because yeah. I so, many, so many people get caught in that, uh, well, for, for, for me and for the people I help, it tends to turn up in overthinking. And, and that voice that, like you described before, the panic attack that just continues to go. Yeah. Repetition process. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So what if you were able to realise that there's something there that actually is quite uh, unique and you can actually use that to your advantage? And I think what you talked about there, like being able to give them those skills and, and how to apply it to day-to-day life, that to me that's such a gift that you give people. Thank you. And and it, I feel like it's super important because we talk about having um, even more definitive when talking about intuition and spiritual senses is to be able to understand the number one biggest important thing to learn is how does, and I always refer to soul, how does soul communicate to you? You know, even though we have these clear senses, we will always have one more definitive clear sense. And what happens is at the beginning, everyone, because you'll usually be able to recognize a couple of the senses that you know how to use and you'll try and um, develop them all at the one time. And (laughs) and that's, that's not the right way to go about it. In fact, that can actually be more detrimental to your progress and your self-esteem by approaching it that way. Whereas if you, become really discerned about what's your main clear dominant sense you build and harness and strengthen that and therefore you'll be able to replicate that same um, system or process back into developing the others but it it lets you know what is the strongest way that your soul communicates to you so that when you do have all of these senses going off you know which is the one that you can go to that you trust more than the others rather than yeah. trying to trust all of them and none of them are all actually developed at the moment. Yeah. And from my experience that how the soul talks to us is very, very similar to how we do our best work externally as well. Yes. And uh, in the process, it's been a long process of building a model around that so people can have some actually have some context because yeah. soul, your soul has been talking to you through all these different experiences mm-hmm. and you've, yeah, you get yeah. Yeah. Everything yeah. is everything is soulfully guided and directive. Do you know what I mean? It's uh, I always say that as humans we like to really and by my French humans like we like to complicate the shit out of things. <laughs> and soul will say, Why are you taking I'm giving you you want a sign, here it is, and you're going, What sign? I've got none and keep going in the opposite <laughs> direction. But the thing that I I always um and so um, always in awe that soul never just dumps your ass and walks off and goes, you're just too hard. I just <laughs> think this, I don't want to, I'm not, I don't want to do this assignment with you anymore because it's too <laughs> difficult. It stays with you and it will find ways in which to continually communicate with you until you feel comfortable enough to be able to bridge that gap where you're like, oh, now I get that message and I'll go on. But it will be so consistent to just keep trying different avenues and different channels to be able to always stay connected with each person. And that's where knowing your strongest clear sense then therefore comes back to then soul is going to communicate. So if it's visual, you're going to see things, you know, all signs, messages, angel numbers. It's going to come through that way. But sometimes people will be like, uh, you know, that they're like, 
if they're a visual person, they're like, I can't hear what soul's saying. And, and in my brain, I'm like, because you're not supposed to hear it. You're supposed to see it. Yeah, and that's where. Through visuals. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's where learning that um, what your stronger sense is helps you then declutter a lot of that noise and then be able to become really zero focused on knowing that when intuitive information is coming directly from your soul, it's, it's a 100% hit. But, you know, as humans, sometimes we'll take that and we'll listen and we'll follow that guidance. And sometimes soul and hystic just gives us a little bit of a slap upside, <laughs> a bit of a balance slap sometimes to be like, hey, hurry up. Let's, you know, I've given you enough. Now let's yeah. move on. Yeah, 100%. Um, the, what usually happens is the messages get stronger and stronger. And if we don't pay attention, then we get something like a panic attack, for example, right? When it's like, have I got it's your attention the, yet? The intensity just keeps going <laughs> higher and higher and higher uh -huh. and your stress, your nervous system goes into overload. But, yeah, you're right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, soul just never, it never leaves us. It's just so devoted to be able to help us stay on our path, to be able to learn more about ourselves. Mm. Um, I think it's always we as humans that it's not that we don't trust soul, it's we don't trust ourselves. And that's where the journey of soul takes us on that to learn for us as humans to trust ourselves because soul's had so many lifetimes. It has this wealth of knowledge. It has, and it knows your soul blueprint and what your mission and your passion and your purpose and what you're here to do and the people that are supposed to come into your world. But as humans, we're like toddlers. We've never been here before. We want to try everything. We want to do everything. We want to, you know, it's like, don't do this. That's like a red a red flag, like I must do that. So it's <laughs> like uh, soul is so wise with this out, out of control, unruly toddler that it's got to try and navigate around to find that so um it's usually because we've gone against our intuition but we also learn from that but it's not the trust that we don't have in soul or the universe it's the trust that we lack within ourselves mm -hmm. uh which is why it's so important to to have that way to navigate it um it's it's something that uh that i see a lot is that people have that self-doubt and it shows up with the guidance they get, but it's importance of the structure that you talk about and the skills to be able to know what the message is actually saying and then yes. how to apply it to everyday life. Mm. It's not that you're that you're wrong. It's just maybe like everything else. Interpretation. Yeah. And perception. And yeah, your interpretation and your perception and where your head's at or um mm -hmm. And if your sense, uh, your strong dominant sense is not um, as as strong as it can be, then it you, we can deviate and, and misunderstand things. And and sometimes um, very important messages uh, will come through very very clear and concise, but other things will come through like a piece of a puzzle. You get a snippet of this information and a snippet mm -hmm. of that and a snippet of this and it's about building that storyboard around all of those little bits of information to be able to understand what the whole complexity of the message that's coming through but it also depends on where you're at where your stress levels are at your yep. perception levels of looking at it um but each time you learn something more about yourself around 
building more and more confidence with using your intuition. Because a lot of people say, you know, my intuition said do this and I didn't do the opposite. Now, I always say that is such a, we all learn sometimes from the opposite spectrum because the next time your intuition comes in, you're like, I didn't listen to it this time, so I'm going to take notice of it. Yeah. So we, we learn from following the information, but we also learn just as equally as much by going and detouring and then coming back because we come back with more knowledge. Yeah, which is why I very much subscribe to that idea of it's not it's not the decision that gets you in trouble, it's the lacking of making a decision. Like you learn um, from both paths, right? Yeah, and, and that's where the lack of trust, uh, confidence gets wavered. We move more into our head and overthink everything because as humans, um, we try to say that like we don't strive for perfection, but I think that's not true. Every person wants to know that they get it right, especially when it comes to really big decisions. Um, And uh, we forget that we are continually evolving and we learn through mistakes. I think we just have perceptions that as we get older, we're supposed to not make as many but then I think, well, how are we supposed to grow? But some of them are like, really? Do I need to keep? How many more times do I need to visit this? So I think yeah. we just need to be a little bit more patient and kind with ourselves because I think, and this is not just my belief, and, and I, it's something that has stayed doing like dear and true to me for twenty odd years. Everything, every experience teaches you something. If you learn for what your lesson is then you will find the blessing in it so that you can move forward. And that's, it doesn't matter whatever goes on in my life, I always go, what, what, about, what am I supposed to learn here? Because if I know what I'm supposed to learn, you can remove all the no's, focus in on what the lesson is and, and navigate through that. But if you're just floundering around, you just keep making more mistakes and then there's more, more chance of like beating up on yourself and, having negative thought and being unhealthy with yourself. Yeah, spot on. Well said. Now, at that time, you, you said you're, you're 24, like you're not fully aware of your abilities at that point or or were you already starting to get some thought around that? Like when, when, did, when did you realise that this was something that you could actually do quite well or easily? Probably a, a little, maybe about a year or so before my father had passed away. Mm. Um, but for me, I could read people. It was just reading people was so easy and what I read about people and then their actions, it was like so innately. It was like I just figured everyone else worked that way. Do you know what I mean? And, and it wasn't yeah. until I realised that people didn't that then I I kept that part of hidden from everyone because I'm talking back in the days where we, you know, we embrace uniqueness, everyone be unique. But when, when I was a younger, a younger girl, like back in the eighties and that, if you were told you were different, that was not meant that you were unique and amazing. You were different and weird and something was wrong with you. You know what I mean? Sorry. (laughs) And so I didn't know enough about it. I'm, um, 
I, I, I love academia. I need to know why something works. I'm one of those kind of people that when something's happening, I just need to know why and how so then I can harness it and embrace it and work with it as opposed to uh, just sort of feeling like stuff is happening. But there were, there was no knowledge around um, around spirituality. I mean, I didn't even – I met some psychics in my – my very early 20s and they literally were uh, all kinds of crazy that um, (laughs) they did like I I went to the had this reading done with this gentleman once and he was a lovely person and that but he goes I want to show you how powerful I am and got like do you remember um, back many years ago you didn't have like the um, you used to use the nappy pins well he put a nappy pin through his skin and he goes see not even an ounce of blood, that's how powerful I am. And I was like, dude, you're nuts. You're crazy. And because of that, it diminished everything that he said. And I was like, Mm. there was always uh, in the early days of that spiritualist needing to prove, needing to prove, Mm. needing to prove, to jump through hoops, jump through hoops, because you weren't looked at as something that was embraced. It was something that like, the gypsy that sits in the corner that doesn't know what's going on and people have the perception that if you're intuitive then you're, or a psychic, well, your life should just be perfect and if it's not, then you're not very good. Yeah. And so I really wanted to distance myself from that because I didn't feel like I fitted in the proper little box of what a psychic looked like or how I dressed, how I looked, how I thought, how I perceived was so very different. I wasn't into the crushed velvet and the incenses and you know, wanting to sit and meditate for for days on end and, you know, that that kind of lifestyle. It was just like yeah. that. Was, um, Sounds boring. <laughs> well, but, that's, but that was how the sort of spiritual realm yeah, yeah. sort of really was and yeah, yeah. it was tarot cards and it was the, that was not how my intuition worked but I also knew that it was spot on. So I just um, – it was also at the time where I was massaging. So I just used my intuition in a completely different way when I was massaging, still got all the same results, still got all the hits. And that just helped me build more and more confidence and strength um, over the years. Um, Probably made the people on the receiving end more open to receiving too because it it was like uh, through another vehicle that they did understand. 100%. um, And it opened up that place for um, conversations that people wouldn't normally have, the door then becomes opened because you're approaching it in a way where you're not pressing levels of vulnerability, you're actually opening up doorways for, I mean, the amount of people over the years have been a remedial massage therapist that people have said to me, I have told you stuff I've never told anyone. And I look at that as being such a such a a humbling experience that someone trusts you enough because you've been able I've been able to use my intuition to be able to maybe open up a a type of conversation that then opens the doorway for them to go oh I can have this conversation with someone and and or I know I always knew um, from very early on with massage that every physical pain related to an emotional element and so I did a lot of work and a lot of study around learning what those mapping of the body was so if I knew when someone came with a pain what that emotional element was so I learned to have conversations that I know would help release that from within their body 
And, and it just, and I always said intuition, people will come to you intuitively through different doorways, but they still want you to be able to get to the depths of their soul and speak and communicate with their soul once you've developed enough trust. So do you remember what you were about to dive into and say after that? Um, it was just about the connection between massage and intuition, just as I was saying, like different doorways for people yeah. to come in. Yeah, it's interesting. As you said, different doorways. There's knocking on the door. I had it muted. But <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and that's exactly how it works, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. well, um, let's let's dive in there. I'll, I'll, mm -hmm. uh, I'll um, lead in with that and then we'll go, okay? Yep. Uh, so Rachel was just talking about a knock on the door and uh, I had to edit a part out there because there's literally a knock on the door <laughs> as she was saying that, one of my children forgetting their keys. So... <laughs> And, and like you were saying, this is how it works, right? That's right. Metaphorically, it's just, just reminding you that um, I think people, I, there's still so much that needs to be spoken authentically about like the intuition and spirituality and stuff like that is that everyone has different doorways in which they go to be able to gain access to that information with someone that they deeply trust. Yeah. No one doorway is better or worse than the other. It's just what's most comfortable for that person. And I think that's the reason why I've always loved working in the, with the different modalities and the different um, the different ways that I do because it's opening different doorways for different types of people to come forward but still talk about the same thing but under different ways that makes them feel most comfortable. And that makes me use my intuition in different spectrums as well. And I'm sort of – I liked – I like to have different ways to be able to utilize that. I'd get bored of it. It was only just one way to utilize that skill set. So, yeah. and it, it, I just never want anyone to feel like I did many years ago that there was no one to be able to talk to. So, um, my different types of clientele's uh, from spiritual to you know massage, they're very different people, but at the depths of it, they're still the same. And and I love being able to work with the the different variables with people. It's wonderful. Just open up the door, and, and and there will always be people that want to walk through it. Oh, so good. Uh, what you described there, it's like if if anyone's trying to deepen purpose, what what Rachel just said. Then you never went. You'll find purpose in that space where you never want anyone else to have to go through what you went through. Yeah, and, yeah. And it's so fulfilling to help people on that journey, isn't it? And it's I think. I think a lot, a lot of this generation, we talk a lot about money. But when, and you know yourself, Ian, when you hit just a magical moment with your client, you can't put a dollar sign on it. You can't even explain it in, in words sometimes. It's just like, yeah. whoa, that is so freaking cool. That shit yeah. is awesome. And if you get to do that all the time, sign me up for it um and, and i think it's just this i think we still have moments where we still try to confine and put things into boxes whereas you, you every single person has these wonderful qualities and wonderful gifts within their own self um, we're learning more and more to be comfortable with that and I have believed that that is our quest as humans yes we want to know our purpose we want to know our master plan and our soul blueprint but I've always believed that that one question that every person is out there seeking is the same which is who am I and that's forever evolving 
and metamorphosing all the time. So you just think you get to know yourself and then you go through a new level of evolution of growth and some part you're relearning about yourself. And then you may decide to do something different. And like currently there's a lot around identity. There's so much shifting in our identity. And like anything, when we have big growth spurts within our identity and learning more about who we are, there's also big gaps of vulnerability um, and the unknown. And it's nice to be able to have people in your journey that help support you through that time while you're learning more about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And and it, you talked about it from the start of the journey, right? When, when your dad had passed, having someone to talk to is, is just so valuable, particularly someone that's not emotionally invested in your life and is going to react in certain ways because of whatever of their own issues or challenges they've got around the same situation. Yeah. So, Or triggers as well. Like yeah. I, when that happened with my dad, I was like, oh, it's, it's like a one-off kind of thing, you know, that that's all right. And I was like, when I was getting into the spiritual stuff, I'm like, I just, I, I want to be psychic. I want to do this. And I'd be like, show me my my gift or talent and then next minute it was just like I knew when everyone was going to die about two months beforehand and I was like this is not a cool gift like (laughs) you know like you couldn't have given me something super awesome you have to give me the gift of knowing when someone was going to die like you don't ring up someone and go hey by the way you've got a couple of months peace out see you later and and I found that also a little bit of a challenge of like I had to remove myself from from the, uh, let's call it the gift of, of what the skill was that I'd received, and I made it very much about myself, like how am I supposed to do this, blah, blah, blah. And then once I actually removed myself from it and went, what am I supposed to do with it? Because it wouldn't be given to me if I wasn't supposed to do something with it to help people. Yeah. And that shift in thinking process created a whole incredibly different dynamic way in which I looked at it. It gave me a chance to be able to have conversations and because I developed that uh, conversational skill with working with massage to know how to have conversations without sparking things or triggering things with people but giving them seeds in which to be able to open up within themselves when they were comfortable or ask more questions and share more around that I could say to people you know have you spoken to that person lately you know it's probably been a while since you've seen them like you know what I was just thinking about seeing that person thanks for that reminder I'll go around and see them and it would be my way in which I could get people to um, get back in touch with people remind them that sometimes death is final even though we get to communicate them with them on the other side there's nothing more valuable than having skin, hair and breath to hold, kiss, hug, touch. Um, but you only get that for no one's, that time is not for everyone. So if you know that there's a limited time, use that time wisely. When my dad passed, there were so many unanswered questions. There were so many hugs and kisses that were unsaid, like undone. Um, so many moments of never getting a chance to say face to face to him I love you and I didn't want people to have that so that's when I was like how can I extract what was painful for me from my father's passing and how can I 
introduce this and put this into other people who I know whose world's about to crumble and present them with an opportunity to fix things, to be able to remove past all the rubbish that sometimes we get caught up on that we wish we didn't worry about when they go you start to tidy up those kind of things and you get to have a little bit more uncomfortable conversations because I believed my dad knew about a month before he passed that he knew he was going to go and my belief is that I think we all know when our time comes whether we want to know it or not uh, some way we receive the information so that gives us the chance to reach out to people and that's what my dad did uh, those last few weeks he reached out to people uh, had uncomfortable uh, what would be called uncomfortable conversations by letting people know how how much they matter to them um, and I think that was how I turned that skill of knowing when someone was passing taking my knowledge that I'd learned and the pain that I had and turn that pain into power. How can I help other people? And then it became something that I was, I felt really humbled um, to be able to have this skill, to be able to share with people at the most vulnerable time of their life. Mm. Love it. So much gold there. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. I think we always have such... I've always believed no one gets through life unscathed. Every person has some, doesn't matter how many we have, but we have such powerful life-changing moments that we can either get stuck in the pain of that or learn again, as I mentioned before, how do you take that lesson, learn what you're supposed to and turn it into your blessing? So that's how do you turn your pain into something powerful? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when you, and it takes time, it's not like you just go from pain to being empowered. You have to be able to work through the grief of whatever that pain is presented for you. Unravel everything, let yourself heal, but then let that healing be part of the power process um, because there will be someone that will come into your world that has experienced the pain that you have and you can either engulf them in all of your pain and both of you stay trapped in in victim and disempowerment or lift each other up and go hey I've been here let's walk this journey together I got you let's do this you're not alone yeah I love that and and you mentioned it before that moment with clients it's like when when I had the conversations around retirement with my kids it's like I'm not retiring I yeah. love this like if I can get to the point where I don't have to charge anything, like how good? Because like like you just said, it's an honour. It's such an honour to to be able to take people on these journeys. You, I also wanted to touch on something else. You you mentioned there before when when suddenly you go, okay, well show me, show me my abilities and you get bombarded. I think anyone who's unlocked their abilities has had that moment where they're like, Are you fucking kidding me right now? Like, I don't want I this was- anymore. This is bullshit. <laughs> That's why I say to people, it's not a fucking gift because when it's hammered into you, you don't sit there and go, I am such an amazing, extraordinary person. You sit there and you're like, stop it. Stop. I don't want to do this anymore. I want to get off this bus and I'm not having yeah. any fun. <laughs> but it, it always does and it's. That's the thing that we don't open up those lines of conversation to be able to have with people, you know, years mm-hmm. ago. And I love being able to share that with people. And like, as you said, like so many more people were talking about that. We start to normalise it and start to 
make it go from something that's traumatic <laughs> that everyone tells you is this spiritual wake awakening but they don't tell you spiritual awakening also makes you feel like half of your brain has been <laughs> open to a world that you can't close and you don't know what you're supposed to do with it so you do feel one part hiding yourself and one part trying to define if you actually have split your brain and you're <laughs> like turning a little bit crazy <laughs> yeah exactly right um it's that it's that feeling completely overwhelmed when when you open up to it that you're bombarded with what's well, opening up to what's always been there but you've blocked it off so yeah. you mentioned before each person's individual thing so mine's um my my key sense is around feeling and so the the roller coaster i go on with with clients i can do because it's in context but when you get them randomly and like if it's something like what you described like your heart going absolutely crazy which mind you has been happening a little bit in the lead up to this chat the last couple of days so i might have already been getting some of that you yeah. reckon you reckon there are moments mm. where i'm like all right i'm, I'm out well, i don't want this anymore you know what i mean like randomly okay who's this now oh actually maybe it's me Maybe there's something going on, like all those conversations that we have, right? Do you want me to share you one one powerful way to help you in that moment? Yeah. Is ask, is it yours or is it someone else? Because when I do readings um, or even work up with massage, I'll get some physiological response. And at first I was like you, like, is, um, you know, is there something going on? I need to check myself. What is it? But then once I realised that I was actually receiving information that were other people's, so that I could share that information with them and it gave validity to whatever it came up, then the moment then you realise that it's not yours, then it's gone. So sometimes yeah. we're given that, like as you said, you got the heart palpitations before coming into this and that would have been cognitive 100% to the conversation we're having around anxiety and that. So, yeah, you know, absolutely. but it is really discerning at that time trying to work out like, there's so much going on, but there's no handbook with it. That's exactly. the thing. There's literally yeah. no handbook with it. Like you said, it's been overcomplicated. And the question that you asked there and just been able to go is, is this what's actually going on? Get a yes or no and, and know what your yes. own yes or no is. That's that's yeah. how you navigate all of those different yeah. moments. And uh, if you talk about things you can apply to day-to-day -to -day life, that to me that I remember having that conversation with my daughter and, and I was showing her the, the body pendulum and she's like, oh, cool. So I can do the yes or no. She goes, can you do this for everything? I'm like everything and she's like <laughs> oh my god yeah, it's like that brain opens it's like whoa and, so and, cool. and it is it's like it's it's just like the coolest thing but um simplifying things mm -hmm. and things that i've shared with my students and when i teach people the spiritual side of things and intuition i keep it to a very systemized process if you follow that process you're always going to get the answer. If you don't get the answer, it's because you've deviated away from a process. Go back to that process, bring it back to that simplicity, follow. And then that way your brain knows that structure on how to be able to process whatever intuitive information comes through. If you follow that process, you're always going to be able to get your answer. And it's just through repetition that at first it feels clunky, but once you start doing it so many times over, it just becomes such an, an innate natural skill that you can get to your answers so much more quicker yeah and 
long-time listeners to the podcast will know that I talk about coming back to process a lot, whether you're talking through a logic and and uh, a mental perspective or a process around a uh, in, intuitive side of you or whatever it is, it allows you to detach from the outcome instead just just don't worry about the outcome, just come back to your process and the process will take you wherever it is you need to go. So I love how you've applied that to the more of the – uh, spiritual side because it's like yeah you can do the same thing and generally I don't know if this has been your experience is that there's kind of a set process for each of us which we can apply to anything that's right and that again comes back to those clear senses because if you know how those clear senses work then you're working with those clear senses and the process of that therefore you add the information on top of it and follow the clear like clear senses process with yeah. that information it unpacks everything and you start to feel what you trust yourself more in the decisions that you make from that by keeping it simple. No, there's always a logic. There's a, there's a science behind spirituality that a lot of people didn't ever want to talk about because they want to keep it in the mystic realm. And all that did was just keep people feeling disempowered because there was no 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 answers to a lot of questions that we have um like you don't go and start a new job and not ask 50 million questions until you feel like you've answered all the questions to be able to do the job well spirituality yeah. is the same um and that there's always a logical component because it has to be because we're humans we're receiving information that is from the ether that comes in quite cryptically and yeah. we have to be able to then take that cryptic message and formulate it into logistics and that's done through science and it's done through energy and it's through using your mind and using your experiences and so it's not just a spiritual element it's a human experience it's the united union of both the spiritual and human that helps us to be able to unpack the information that comes through it's not just one or the other one can't happen without the other so good. Oh, I'm glad you shared that, Rachel, because that's, to me, that's the bit that people miss. It's like it doesn't take you to this, like, airy-fairy world. In fact, we talked about being spirituality being overcomplicated. Too many take, take you into that space, and it's like, hang on, but we still live in this world. Like, how do I navigate this world with that? Like, I don't want to be attacked completely. You want to come back to have a structure and a process so I can manage my day-to-day life. And I love that you've said that because uh, one of the biggest things that I see moving through at this time and point is like, how do I reach these new dimensions within? Our, <laughs> I'm, in dimen- I'm in dimension five and I'm moving out to dimension 12. And it's like, well, that's awesome. But how do you bring that knowledge back and apply it here? What can happen is you can distance yourself on going on this quest of learning about existential, more spiritual, more levels and layers within that realm. But unless you can introduce it, all you're going to do is ostracize yourself and feel completely uncomfortable in the world and yet you're living in. And therefore, it's so super important to be able to recognize, and I say this about any form of knowledge that you learn, go and learn whatever it is, that bit of knowledge, bring it back, apply it into your world, integrate it know how it works, then go grab some more information. But I was given this phrase many years ago where people can just be like a library. They just keep getting more and more and more and more and more knowledge, keep taking books out of the library, but don't do nothing with it. And then all they have is just a whole heap of noise, confusion, and then feel even more disassociated and even more 
uncomfortable in their skin because they now have nothing in which they can relate to other than just a whole heap of noise of knowledge sitting in their head. Yeah. Knowledge is only powerful when you apply it, or else it's just words, language. And yeah. our brain only has the capacity to hold so much, so you have to be very cautious about what kind of information you're putting in there. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, like I think that's one thing that I always try to talk to anyone that's new to the spiritual realm is be very careful is how far you take yourself out because you can get lost out there. Ooh, you think yeah. you're lost when you're first awakened and that's really disorientated and people think they need to know more stuff. Mm -hmm. It's not. It's about working with, harnessing what you do have and then when you know the direction you want to go in, find yourself a great mentor. Do your homework. Don't just follow the, the masses of people. Yeah. Follow someone that, and the beautiful thing with today is that there is an abundance of mentors and great people out there in the spiritual realm. Find someone that resonates with you, not one that resonates with everyone and do yeah. it when you're comfortable. But if something goes skew off, because like anything with any mentor, and you'd know this yourself even in business, there's always a time frame. Yeah. And you'll always hit a ceiling with your mentor, mentor and you will have learned and shared and both growing the maximum that you can with each other and then it's time for you to part ways and go off and, and meet different people. So the same thing goes with spirituality or any other form yeah. of knowledge base. Be very, very cautious. Do your homework around the spiritual people because there still are a lot of We'll, um, we, won't, we don't need to put a name to it, but uh. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like, but it, that happens, as I say, but it happens in any industry. My husband's a concrete, uh, yeah. and like you get great concreters, you don't get great concreters. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. 100%. Like, just use that discernment. It's it's not just specific to the spiritual realm. Oh, of course, it's it is funny though. Is you can get dragged from this whole uh, place where it's like. Oh, you're being controlled and you're being this and you're being that and there's all this fear and, and then they go right across to the other side of the spectrum and then they're just in the same place but just different language and and judging the people over the other side throwing rocks and it's like nah come on mm. I, it's that's not that's not the answer and uh, no. I love how you've summed that up it's beautiful thank you Rachel you're welcome um, just wanted to add something on process because I imagine there'd be a lot of listeners this would relate to um, a big part of processing for me is externally processing, is to get whatever is the thoughts that are going around in my head, like you described with the counsellor, having a space that I can talk where I don't need anyone to answer, I don't need anyone to be able to uh, fix it or solve it or whatever, just say, and then I can make sense of it myself. And to me, that that would be the value in coming to see someone like yourself to be able to do that and then have some context around it as well. Yeah, 100%. I always, um, as, I'm, as I said to you before, like um, whenever anything comes on, I always like to share to people, um, will be my gift I share with every, all these callers and yourself, is I always ask yourself, what's the lesson? What yeah. am I supposed to learn from this? Um, and the answer will, because the moment you ask yourself the question, soul must answer you. Yeah. So... Be concise with your questions. Don't just go, why does this happen, which is what most people do. Um, why that 
the answer to why comes after you've learned how is this happening? What am I supposed to do with it? What is my lesson? And then once you've got all the answers to that, then the why becomes revealed. But if you try and start with trying to get the answer to the big picture, it's not going to work. So whenever anything mm. comes up intuitively and you're trying to process mm. that information, always because what happens is when we're trying to process that information, it's out here. It's huge. It's elaborate and there's so much noise. If you zero that back in and say, what is my lesson? All the information that is out there that's inside of your mind that's not relevant will dissolve and move away and start to bring forward what your lesson is in that moment and make it shine even brighter. Therefore, you release a lot of the noise that doesn't need to be there. Oh, I love that. So good. And again, that just comes back to what we we're saying, simplicity. Keep yes. it simple. Always just Keep. come back to... You know, I always think, uh, um, like yourself, you've done coaching and mentoring, so have I, and I've done some psychology. If we ask the right questions, we're always going to get oh. the right answer, but we just haven't ever been taught to be able to do that. And it's always at those uh, crisis points or those, you know, pivotal uh, processing moments that we forget to ask those powerful questions. So mm. I always, okay. you know, the most way to get the deepest insight is to simplify it. Mm, okay. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up. Questions. To me, if you've been through uh, what yeah, you could talk about awakening or suddenly having this realization about maybe something that some guidance you're getting through or intuitive abilities, where you have to eventually get to navigate is just ask better questions like you described, right? Yep. And yep because soul yeah. has to answer the question. So ask yeah. powerful questions and soul will give you the answer it will give you the answer to anything so if you ask a dumb question you'll get a dumb answer <laughs> yeah that's good uh i'm going to ask another question in a minute but i want to get to the second big incident because we're we're an hour deep and i haven't even got there yet so you said you had so five years <laughs> Oh, it's been a great chat. Five years after your dad passed, you had a, a, a significant boat accident. So why yeah. was that significant? What happened? I had learned a lot about myself through that time frame, but I still very much kept that, <clears throat> um, I would say, psychic part of myself, very, very behind closed doors, um, mm -hmm. very few people um knew about it and the reason I kept it hidden which goes back to what I was saying about I understand how I operate was that back then there wasn't the knowledge that was available and so no one could and there was no knowledge available out there that described why I did this how I could use it so if someone said to me uh you're psychic how do you know you're psychic I didn't have the answer to that mm. and so I felt um very exposed, very vulnerable, and it brought more into that or just the charlatan and the lady with the crystal ball. I wanted yeah, yeah. to, because I've always been very methodical, very science-based, very um, anatomy and physiology. We, we have this soul that lives within us that has uh, this wealth of knowledge that we are yet to and just breaking into now. But 
how as a, as a human, how do I articulate this? How do I be able to explain something that I don't even know what's going on? And it's, it's not going to add any validity to it. So yeah. until I felt like I could answer those questions, I didn't like to be able to have that conversation with people because I couldn't answer them. So I felt like that just made you look more foolish. Yeah. Um, yet it was something that I deeply trusted in. And we were going away um, with some friends over Easter and I just kept, again, having dreams. I keep getting this horrible dread feeling of a near-death, potential for death accident. And I said to my husband and to my friends, we were going, I was like, have we got first aid? What happens if anything goes wrong? And they're like, you know, Rachel, you're making us feel really uncomfortable. Um, don't say, stop saying that. And so I was just like, buried it. And we'd been up there for a couple of days and um, there was a gentleman that was up there and he had a jet boat. Now, one of my dad's best friends was um, the world's best jet boat ride, uh, driver back when I was a kid. So we'd been in them multiple times. And I yeah. felt like I just wanted that connection to my dad. Like if I go for a jet boat ride, it's connecting me with my dad. Well, yeah, I frick it did, but in, not, not the way I'd anticipated. <laughs> and he said, I just said to him in passing one night on, you know, um, if you're up for taking anyone for a ride, I'd love to go. Well, he came the very next morning as we were saying goodbye to other um, friends and he said, let's go. And no one else knew about this conversation I'd had and I just had this absolutely sinking, dreadful feeling. And I knew in that moment I should have said no, but I was so afraid to say no that I didn't. And I just said, yeah, okay, and I hopped in this boat and I just knew then that I just made the worst decision. And we took off and we were doing 80 miles an hour and I just knew something was going to go wrong and I made a promise to the universe that I said, if you let me live, I promise you I will stop hiding who I am. <laughs> and, um, and the boat turned around and we were coming back up and it was just so eerie that day. The water was like a sheet of glass which normally meant at like 8 o'clock in the morning there should have been people everywhere and it was hot, it was gorgeous. There was no one on the water except for us and next minute the steering cable snapped, uh, the boat flipped and we got thrown out and I took the seat with me and I remember hitting water and I remember being underneath the water and um, it was just almost like someone was shining a torch on the water and it was like I could breathe, there was no pain, it was just the most surreal, most amazing moment and I could just keep hearing this voice saying to me this oh, this absolutely angelic female's voice and this gorgeous white floaty dress just said to me you need to come to the surface and I'm like yeah no I don't think I really want to do that I know there is a whole heap of mess waiting up there for me so I'll just stay here a while and literally it was like I just sort of just got sucked back up this tunnel up to the top of the water and next minute it was like chaos everywhere boats people screaming yelling everything people trying to save us and and I just remembered like I just couldn't believe that I uh, let myself be in that situation where because I was hiding I didn't tell people and really reinforce what it was and so I took on a lot of guilt from that situation and uh, we both could have been killed and both of us were so luckily we had absolutely nothing wrong with us physically. Obviously, we had like trauma of impacting of hitting water, 
And mm. when actually I did go to the hospital, they said, you're the only person that we have come across that has survived 80 kilometres an hour hitting water and wanted wow. to video it for science for this other students. But mentally and emotionally, it messed me up. And again, it was the second time I had anxiety and I never thought I'd get it again. So that rocked my world. Um, and it took me a long time to recover from that because of the guilt and the shame and the anger I had within myself. And I went back to my pivotal question, like I said to you, I said to myself, you survived for a reason, you made a promise, what was your lesson? Let's get on with living. And that was quite a hard pill to suck up. Mm-hmm. And I took from it that I said, well, I promised that I would stop hiding who I am. So I need to go and know how is it that I do this stuff. And I didn't stop until I could find it. I went and seeked out the information on a science level, the anatomy and physiology. Intuition communicates to us on a physiological level. I want to know how. I want to know how it communicates to us on a spiritual level, on a psychology level, on a mental, emotional level. And I just I spent probably five years getting my hands on any bit of info and it was all directed I'd go and learn stuff about the anatomy and physiology the science behind it and then next bit would just be opened up and I knew exactly the next place to go and the next place to go so that I wanted to so that if anyone ever asked me again how does my intuition work I could sit there and I could confidently say this is how mine works and be able to bring it back into a normalized. I use this in my everyday. I also do it on a professional level, but I use it every single day in every single way. And so does everyone else. So let's find a way to normalize this. But I felt like I had the concrete proof. So again, I turned something that was the second most um, soul-destroying part of my life but Mm. I turned them into the biggest catalyst for change and I often say now I don't know if I would be who I am and where I am had I not had those experiences that again turned my pain into something powerful so that that became the journey of where I made that promise I always wanted to create the oracle cards I've done that I taught hundreds of students around how to use intuition I there's just all these different ways that I do and and it was really funny because I had um a person come to the house and I don't even use he was a repair person and again it was so intuitively guided because somehow we got on the conversation of my boat accident and I told him about the promise I made to myself and it was the very first time he said to me so do you think you've lived that promise and I went oh my god I didn't even (laughs) stop to ask that question I was just on the pathway of I must do this that it it was like I just had come to this screaming halt and I went actually I have and thank you so much because it was like I didn't need to keep looking for it I had everything now but I'd committed myself to that promise so I felt like I didn't owe the universe anymore in a way and I didn't owe myself anymore because I had accomplished everything that I had made that promise to myself so that a lot of times we talk about dreams and they're amazing but I feel like promises that that's that's where the magic is the promises that you make to yourself and staying committed to them that's where the magic unfolds 
Oh, yes. So cool. Uh, Rach, do you mind if I ask you a question about something that showed up physically through that part of the story? Of course. Uh, when you talked about anxiety coming back again, it's like the like the new one for me, actually, the, the, the scapula or the shoulder blades and right across that sort of high back was like so tight, almost like an impact sort of thing. I, I, do, do you have any... Um, the emotional element around what that means is that exactly what I was saying before from the accident I felt like uh, the whole world was on my shoulders I carried so much blame uh, so much shame around that because people were quite it left it left things very very jagged uh, between the relationship between myself and the guy that drove a lot of people became very angry at him. Um, mm. A lot of people were angry at myself. We'd done something which they thought was foolish. He'd only just had his boat fixed. It was, it was the steering cable that snapped that we were never going to know. Uh, but it just created so much disruption within so many people and it left so many negative scars for so many people because it could have been, it could have turned out so much worse. And I felt like I carried all of that burden on myself and I know I didn't need to, but that's, that's what I did. I internalized and I blamed myself for what unfolded. And so that's why you would have had that experience of feeling the weight of your world, feeling the weight of your world on top of your shoulders. Um, mm -hmm. um, so what I know of that is when it shows up for me is that this there's probably a few more layers of that to, for you to peel back. Uh, um, it might be what we've talked about a lot. How is that still showing up in your day-to-day -day life where you're feeling uh, that responsibility, I guess? Um, but that might be just something for you to sit with because I don't need to tell you how to do, how to do that sort of thing. Well, um, it works out perfectly because um, <laughs> I'm just about to uh, do a little bit of a pivot in my business and cool. I'm going to be sharing more around how emotions show up in our physical body, that massage side of things. So it'll be something so completely new. People know a little bit about that, but know me as that intuitive person. Now I'm going to start sharing how intuition communicates through our physical body and how as massage therapists we can uh, open up that doorway. So that's why this sort of been coming up. I was going to keep it under wraps for a while, but here you go. <laughs> it's out there now. <laughs> well, absolutely. What's interesting is that I don't know if you've been watching the the lighting on you through this thing. I know. Just, just talking, then everything just lit up, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm super excited to to show how intuition, um, how as massage therapists we can work with that intuition, but how the the way in which I've been able to change people's lives with that intuitive side of things and the spiritual realm, you can do that as a massage therapist. It's it's the most freaking magical thing in the in the whole world, and so um, I, I, I can't wait to share this with people, with healers and massage therapists, yeah. and people that want to learn about that. Because again, our intuition is communicating through our physical body. If we learn how that communication is, what it's communicating to you with, and understand that we don't have to wait for pain points to show up for us to do something about it. A mm -hmm. soul will come in gently and go, give you a little bit of a niggle here. Oh, if you go, oh, what's that? And you, and you, again, you ask that, the question of what is this? Is it mine or is it someone else's? And start going along that way. We get to start to peel back and we start to through learning how our soul is communicating through our physical structure helps us also to be able to heal and stops it from progressively turning into chronic pain that then leads to 
other major disruption. So it's this taking people and learning that we don't need to wait for disease to happen, that we can just have dis-ease by having something get imbalanced or a disruption going on that is, as humans, we're becoming so highly evolved that even the slightest disruptions creates quite a big physiological response and energetic shifts that we can, when we learn to understand how our body is communicating intuitively, we can learn to receive even more answers and help ourselves through this journey without needing to look for external validation or yes. confirmation from others. So that's yep. the next chapter that's about to unfold. So I, I love that. And that's been something that I've been really called towards in the last six months as well, like going it alone because I've learned I can do this part myself. My, to be fair, my coach leading up to me going alone had been telling me that for a while. You know, you don't need yeah. to go and do this. You don't need to go like doing the self out of a job. But it was like, yeah, but it's like that's that should be the intention. Teach people to fish and they can eat for life. I love it. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like you, this is what I kind of got from that is like, it'd be really cool if you created some sort of certification around what you do. Cause I can, I was drawn, well, I was drawn, <laughs> I'll tell you why. I was drawn to this experience I had on the Sunshine Coast where I went for a massage, not because I needed it, but just because I was like, okay, well, let's get a massage. We're away. We'll... And this lady took me still physically the most incredible experience I've had. When I say physical, I've had the, the full body experience, but in terms of getting a massage, like it was crazy. But what she didn't, she knew how to navigate intuitively but didn't know how to put it all like pulled everything out of the box but didn't know how to put it back in so that i could then move forward because i actually got sick after that and i went to see someone else and they're like oh who is this person because you've got this going on you've got this going on this going on and it's like how many other people are doing that sort of work and actually leaving people in a worse place more confused place whereas they need or we've been talking about the whole way through the structure and the day-to-day -day application of that so I gather by that laugh, this is already in the works. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just in the process of um, putting together, uh, I'm not sure whether it's going to be, uh, it's, it's going to be something that does become, you become certified to, to learn how to understand all this information. Um, yes. And it's yes. quite interesting because I always believe everything circles back around and I had actually written a lot of this, this was the direction I wanted to go in. 15 years ago and again just buried it and thought I'll get to it one day and one day's here now so it's now unpacking and, and getting all of this out there to reach the masses of people and to help therapists become even more amazing at what they do but understanding the power is not just in your hands but in what you unpack for that person so yeah so good <laughs> something I was trying to keep very much under <laughs> <laughs> Again, everything goes in its own directions. <laughs> it's, it's time. It's time to share. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Um, oh, I can't remember what I was going to say then, but uh, I'm excited to hear because I think that the more structure we can put around this stuff, the more beneficial. Oh, that's what I was going to say. It's, like, it's funny you say that about 15 years ago. I find that all my stuff's come full circle too. Yeah. Like I'm going back to so much of that foundational stuff that I learned and people aren't simple. applying it. It's simple. And, and, that's it's the thing is, and that's what structure and that's what processes give us the simplicity. Mm -hmm. Take, get, it, get it back to simple. Our brain yeah. works best when we keep it simple. Yes, we can 
move through different, I'm just going to say levels and layers. So we can move through different levels and layers and then they can spread out. But if you still keep that main column, like almost like um, a, what do, you, what do you call the uh, high rise? A high rise has a center column. Mm-hmm. You know, you can move through all of the different layers, but you must come down to that center column to be able to go up and down. And that's where simplicity and simple and, uh, processes and systems come into places that they're the, they're the center column. You can get off at any level, but it just needs to still come back to that center, that center realm. Um, and that's where we, uh, is where the magic is, is the more that we can keep it simple, that's where the magic is. Um, it doesn't mean that it's always easy, but because um, each three, through each system or each process, there's dimensions within that. Don't be in such a hurry to try and screen through everyone. Learn mm-hmm. each system or process as well as you can so you've got that knowledge to then move on to the next. I think as humans, we're always in such a hurry to get to the end destination that we forget to see all these magical, pivotal moments that brings us back. And like you were saying, doing full circles, like when I wanted to design the Oracle cards, it was just a pipe dream. It was something mm-hmm. I so wanted to do and, they yeah. took eight years to, to come to fruition. So that's why I always say to people, dreams and promises, they don't have expiry dates. So we need to take a little bit of that pressure off and everything will be given to us when yeah. we need it. But as humans, we're in a hurry because <laughs> we think we're on a deadline. Yeah. Um, and, we, and that can only just make uh, things even more distant. So true. Oh man, I completely lost my train of thought there. <laughs> it's it been was... a pretty deep, deep conversation for an hour and a half, like just jam pack it all in there. <laughs> exactly. Um, I was going to wrap it up there because I know uh, conscious of time for both of us, but that was, uh, yeah, so very good. And I appreciate, Rachel, you sharing so openly and and bringing a simplicity to spirituality which is much needed so thank you where can people find more of what you do and and contact you if they so feel called uh just on my facebook so obviously and just under rachel thompson phillips i'm pretty sure you guys have got the links just i've closed down a lot of my uh, uh, pages that i've had previously so everything is just going to be done back through my personal page um but the thing i'd love to be able to share with your readers like i do whenever i do a reading with people is that there has been so much so much information between myself and Anne shared here today. Give you, give each, like as a caller, listen to this more than once. As you listen to it, there's going to be something new that you didn't, you didn't hear that time. You may listen to this four or five times and each time you're going to be able to extract something magical from that because there's just been so many amazing uh, pivotal bits of information shared don't think that the brain has the capacity to absorb it all. So listen to it. Go away, think about it, come back, re-listen to it, um, and you'll find that there will always be something there for you to be able to take away from each time. So um, love it. And, I, and and thank you so much for having me. Like I always love these moments to be able to, again, be a voice to help people along their journeys no matter what that looks like. Awesome, and I will and I will share my own experience from diving into Rachel's card readings in the past. Is that they are spot on and always leave you in a in a more positive space. So uh, you do that pretty regularly, or 
Do you? Every day, every day, um, Monday to Friday, I draw a card for everyone. Um, obviously, I still do readings for people um, privately. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I like to be able to just, uh, energy is within us every day. I always believe that if we understand what the energy is potentially giving to us as our lesson for the day, then we can navigate through the day with a little bit more ease and grace without always having to be resistance um, and have those little pockets of like going, oh, now I understand what that meaning of that card is for the day. Now this is this, you know, impactful moment that I can use that knowledge because I would normally behave this way. But now I've got this little bit of insight that says, may not that's maybe not the right approach and, and so you can just apply it I think it's just it's sort of like having um just a little bit of detail around how the energy is going to be for the day and if we understand how that is then we get to work with it we keep to keep things again simple simple so, love it uh I remember what I was going to say now and it's you talked about that column and and each of our own individual columns comes from our own personal story. And I thank you so much for sharing your story, uh, some pretty major life moments and, and sharing your lessons through that. Rachel, thank you so much. You are so welcome. And I just, I feel very humbled for, for the invitation. So thank you. You're welcome. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Grief Code podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Please share it with a friend or family member that you know would benefit from hearing it too. If you are truly ready to heal your unresolved or unknown grief, let's chat. Email me at info at ianhawkinscoaching.com. You can also stay connected with me by joining the Grief Code community at ianhawkinscoaching.com forward slash the grief code. And remember, so that I can help even more people to heal, please subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform.